0: everyone and welcome to In the Lead. In the Lead is a platform that features extraordinary leaders who speak about their leadership, their beliefs, their experiences, so that they may inspire our leadership. Today on In the Lead, we have the incredible Manoj Kohli Country Manager SoftBank Bank India. Manoj Kohli is the country head of SoftBank India, an overseas SoftBank Group, Softbank Vision Fund, and their over 20 digital ai-focused portfolio companies manoj was previously the md ceo of bharti airtel where he created a unique business model and high performance culture that grew the operations from 2 million customers to become the third largest telco in the world with 400 million customers he started his career with dcm Shriram group and has spent his illustrious career spanning four decades between manufacturing telecom energy and digital sectors Manoj has, through his career, led businesses across 20-plus geographies and was judged the Telecom Man of the Year in 2000 and Telecom Person of the Year in 2004 among his many accolades. He also serves on the Academic Council of Faculty of Management Studies and mentors and inspires many through his inimitable leadership style that has got him to be called Mr. Dependable and Rainmaker, indicating his ability to lead with wisdom in a crisis and his unrelenting entrepreneurial spirit in an ever-changing world. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting Manoj Kohli.
1: Thank you, Suja. Very happy to be with you.
0: Thank you. Uh, Manoj, uh, this, this program is about leadership. So we're going to ask you some about your own leadership. And I'm going to start at the start. You, know, you have this illustrious, incredible career spanning over four decades. Um, you know, all those four kinds of uh, sectors, whether manufacturing, energy, uh, you know, you've got uh, telecom, obviously very, very significantly in your career, and now uh, the digital space. So tell me what strikes you is perhaps, um, you know, what is leadership, uh, you know, having the experiences that you have had across these four sectors? Uh, what do you believe is at the core of inspiring sound leadership? You know,
1: I don't know. People make leadership into a very complex phenomena, whereas actually it is a very simple phenomena of being yourself, uh, which means that you need to manifest your core values. Right. And actually, leadership is about core values. Leadership is about, like, for example, my core values are honesty, hard work, hunger, hunger to do more, and humility, the four H's. So I, I whole life, stuck to these four H's. And that is what leadership is. Now, in addition to this, there are a couple of other things which I have done. One is that always followed a positive energy, followed a positive attitude, because attitude is the altitude which takes you up. And uh, if, if, if the glass is not half full, it is half empty, it's not a good news. Mm. Generally, the glass is half full, and you, your job is to make it more and more full. So leadership is about positive attitude, hopefulness, optimism, where you have a long-term goal and have patience to achieve that long-term because that patience also is critical. Another area which is important, and I've seen especially in my present chairman, Masa, is about courage. Leadership is about courage too. You need to have courage, you need to have strong convictions to pursue a path. Which may not be a very popular
2: path.
1: Right. It may not be a very fashionable path. Right. You pursue it because you have courage of conviction that this will lead to great success in the long term. And then have patience and persistence to follow it.
0: Right. So the four edges really stand out. And if the glass is half full, then it's your job to make it full. And I think these are very incredible insights among others that you've actually shared right here. You know, I'm going to uh, go uh, over Manoj to a book that you launched, especially uh, the last 18 months of very incredible and unprecedented times that we're all experiencing um, together. Uh, You know, you launched a book called Leadership in Unprecedented Times and uh, a step-by-step guide to convert crisis into opportunities. So tell us, how do you see a crisis? I mean, this is such an incredibly important question to ask of any leader, uh, you know, who's talking about his leadership today, which is how do you see uh, a crisis, and especially in the context of change and in the context of innovation, and all that can actually come out of a crisis.
1: You know, leadership is about converting crisis into opportunity. I mean, uh, of course, it's a crisis. Of course, there is bad news. Of course, people will be impacted. But what is leadership? Leadership is about making it better, making it a better situation than reality, which means converting prices into opportunity and a positive future. And I believe that the best time to innovate, best time to change yourself, is in a crisis. Because you're back to the wall. You don't have a choice. You need to change. And in normal circumstances, when things are going very well, maybe you don't feel like changing. Maybe people people feel. And many times, I remember in my life, people have come to me and said, what is the need to change? You're making a change. Everything is fine. But I think if you change the company and the business model and the style and performance levels and standards during normal times, then you don't have to change too much in crisis times. But right. if you don't do that, then you'll have to change a lot in crisis times. It's so true. So yeah. I have tried, always as a leader, to change in normal times.
2: Right.
1: Because if you take the bad news of tomorrow today, mm. then tomorrow you don't have to take that bad news. Actually, you're stronger to face a bigger bad because you never know. Bad news can hit you anytime. By that I mean that maybe pre-pone the bad news and take action, proactive action today. Right. And then make your tomorrow much stronger and much more successful. Right. Because you've already proactively taken action. You have accepted the problem. You have you have welcomed the change. You right. have fallen in love with change. And actually, that is what is the thoughts of leadership. Right. Because if you don't, then if, if people, thousands and thousands of people are looking at you, if they look at you that you are resisting change,
2: yeah,
1: they will obviously resist change more than you. Yeah, but then You are a big leader, you are courageous, and you will do more.
2: Right.
1: So, they will be behind you. So, I believe if leaders accept change, welcome change, Love change, then everyone in the company will love change and they won't hesitate. Right. They right. won't resist. Right. Because, you know, organizations suffer from a trained incapacity that this yeah. is the way to do it and that is the yeah. only way to
2: succeed. Oh, yeah.
1: Leaders can actually change this by their first full model modeling. I say that, no, yeah. no, no, other ways to change also, other ways to succeed also. And right. I'll tell you how to do it and I'll do it in front of you. And once I do it, You will understand. So the best communication from a leader to a community is to take action, take decisions, because that is where you roll on, not by just talking.
0: Right, right. So you know, I'm hearing you say that the change should not have surprised you to begin with, and that you must love and welcome the change. Um, Yeah, because because I,
1: you know, many companies restructure massively. Which clearly means that something they should have done earlier,
2: yeah,
1: they have to do now uh, because they are doing massive restructure. Which means that over last five years or whatever, they were kind of uh, complacent. Yeah,
2: so it's not good. So, yeah.
1: Complacency is not a leadership characteristic one which one should have.
0: Right, right. So you're you're essentially saying that all the change you did not make earlier when you should have and you had the time. Um, you will, if you've procrastinated that, then it will accumulate at the time of a crisis. And then yeah. you will be compelled to really be able to drive change. So, yeah. uh, And I love the part uh, where you said you welcome it, you know, you role model the fact that you love the change, lead the way, show how to be able to be adaptable around it, and then others cheerfully follow. Yeah,
1: others will yeah. love it too. Yeah. They will love it more than you because they will like to be better than you.
0: Which is yeah. good news. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. So, you know, one of the things that I've been saying for the last 18 months is that, you know, this has really been a live classroom. This entire pandemic, the global uh, health crisis has been a live classroom, Uh, because it's been uh, in an upheaval of upheavals, which has kind of upended in a way, everything we thought to be new and understood and forced us to go back to the drawing board to be able to re-understand what's really happening around us and to be able to make meaning. I want to understand from you, what have been your epiphanies in the last 18 months? What shifts uh, did you experience? Uh, you know, some of the things that you questioned that you were firmly believing in, which you kind of questioned or sort of re- uh, reflected on or revisited, uh, especially in the last 18 months. You know, I think
1: these 18 months were back to basics. And that is what I have always enunciated in all my professional life. Because basics, you need to stick to and woodpecker. And the more you woodpecker, the more you reinforce the basics, you will right. succeed more. Because the basics, they never change.
2: Yeah.
1: For example, in this period, uh, I think there are many, many learnings, many unlearnings.
2: Yeah.
1: So I'll tell you what yes. in Yes. I think companies have learned that innovation engine is most important. If you innovate faster, whether it's products, services, features, or, or a business model, you will actually do much better. You'll get more customers. Customers will be attracted. They'll be retained because you're innovative. So your brand will become better. So that is one big learning which has been reinforced. Not that we didn't know about it. Second is frugality. That you know, run your company like you run your home, like my mother used to run a kitchen, uh, zero waste. That's the way company has to be run zero wastage, war on waste. So, clearly, frugality has become very, new. yeah, so there's no resources to waste, there's nothing yeah. there. Yeah, so, so again, back to basics. High-performance culture, again, very important, guys, employees or partners or vendors who are low-performance should be filtered out and in a nice way. We are not saying you should be harsh, but in a nice way because the company deserves to have high-performance and leadership is about high-performance.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, so, so that's, again, back to basics. Another thing is financial fitness. Reduce your debt, uh, get your margins up, uh, you know, increase your top line through retaining more customers. Again, back to basics. And finally, empathy across the company. Empathy for people who are doing so well, who are working through hardships, despite the family issues, etc. Show empathy, be close to them support them support their families and in future they will support you forever so so these are the learnings and of course there are many unlearnings unlearning means no wastage no debt no arrogance no poor performance etc etc so i think so a lot of learnings and unlearnings but i think the biggest change which happened in the marketplace is that the digital behavior of the customers Yes, went through dramatic change from a situation where pre-pandemic is today was okay it was reasonable and what happened in 18 months may have happened in 10 years so right. we have taken a big leap of 10 years of a decade in 18 right. months and today i can say that the middle class or even lower middle class customers of india consumers of india even consumers who may not be very well educated even consumers in small and medium towns and villages are trusting online, are trusting digital services, are doing digital transactions, are making payments online, are shopping online. So this is a tremendous change, not only for branded products, but standard products. And, 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 And consumers are now saying that, you know, you can go to a mall or a showroom or a shop Actually, online is more affordable. Why don't you buy online? the same product. You can buy online. And it is better it it reaches your home. And if you don't like it, or if it is different from what you ordered, you can return it. So people, millions and millions of Indians, and not only Indians, but globally, have, have loved online. And, you know, even senior citizens, Right. So children, of course, young children are very tech savvy, so they'll they'll do it faster. But even seen as seen as it, like my mom, yeah. she does uh, FaceTime more nice. and calls, and calls less because FaceTime she can see the face of her sisters or daughters or whatever. And I she asked me, she said, which is cheaper? Yeah. I said, uh, FaceTime is the data is cheaper than voice.
2: Yeah.
1: So, I'm the point I'm making is that. Everyone is getting digital.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you know, and absolutely on that note, you know, I want to talk about how technology clearly has been, you know, the biggest accelerator for change really in the last. It's, um, you see a lot of examples of uh, technology enabled business model innovation. Um, You know, we, it's changed how we buy, how we pay, uh, you know, how we order food, uh, you know, how we work. I think it has been such an incredible game changer in so many ways. I want to contrast this with uh, leadership style innovation or management style innovation within organizations. And wanted to get your views on uh, why, if at all, has the pace of that innovation been so incredibly slow in comparison?
1: Technology in the next 10 years will have a bigger impact than the last 100 years. That is absolutely clear from what is coming. And if leadership doesn't follow that, doesn't proactively change its style, the way of working, etc., then there will be a problem. So I believe that the technology of the future, whether it's in the products or business model or digital transactions or whatever, will have to be coupled, will have to be supported by proactive leadership changes. Now, what is the basis of leadership change? The basis is that the millennial generation, average age 27, has to be the target stakeholder around whom the leadership style has to evolve. If you revolve your leadership style around people who are that's a much older,
2: yeah.
1: but in 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 impact on future much lower, then it's a wrong change. So the real change will be what do these millennium millennial generation boys and girls want? What do they want? Let's go through. Firstly, they want openness in culture for high performance. Openness, not for the sake of openness. Openness for the sake of high performance. Secondly, they want flexibility. If technology changes, if environment changes, if regulations change, they want flexibility. Third, they want transparency. That's, you know, say it. Say it as it is. Bad news, good, doesn't matter. Say it. We are here. We'll absorb it. We'll digest it. Then, these guys also want, they want, purpose. They want clarity on purpose. They want the company and the management and leadership to be purposeful. What is your purpose beyond profits? Tell us more about it. And last but not the least, be sensitive, be empathetic, be respectful to all of us. And don't worry, we will do our best. If we are aligned with the goals and the purpose, we'll do our best. You don't have to supervise us. Whether we work from home, or work from anywhere, or work from a factory or office, we'll do our best. Right. See, this is what the millennial generation is after. Mm-hmm. And if the leadership changes are not attuned or, or let's say, are not uh, imbibed around this, then there is a problem, there is a gap. So, true. so <laughs> my, my view is, on one hand, there is a technology change. Other hand, there is a millennial generation expectation. The leaders have to actually uh, combine these two into one big change, which is technology and people, both. And if leadership do it, I'm telling you, it will be a very successful
2: business.
0: Right, right. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, other than the millennials and the kind of leadership they're expecting, isn't there a leadership style of these times, which these times demand? you know for example voice you know employee voice employee empowerment the way in which we look at power within organizations i'm just wondering if if that is oh, also
1: absolutely something that... absolutely you know when you say Suja, when you say times times are of youth yeah times are of young entrepreneurs young ceos young senior managers yeah. i mean in our age in our age when i started my career senior management used to reach only after 50. Then gradually it came 40, then became 30, and now it is 20s. Yeah. So, so again we come back. Who is, who is our target audience? Our target audience is the youth, who will build our tomorrow. And if we don't give them what they want, they will not do their best.
0: Yeah. No. No. I think you're you're bang on, and and I think that's the you're just calling out the changing our uh, times the expectations of the uh, of the employees from leadership and uh, the opportunities that we have by being able to do some of the things that you just mentioned right now so i'm going to move on to ask you about your own experience of a coaching moment and i'm going to take you back to uh, you know the early years of, of your career where you perhaps got coached by somebody else so is there any coaching moment or something that you learned in your formative years professionally that you still value? Well, tremendously and you hold close to your heart because it still holds true in everything. So that there you-
1: are many, many of them. Yeah. I'm telling you I was very lucky. I was really blessed. I had so many good uh, tutors and good supervisors helping me the first five years. Uh, I started at 20. By the time I was 25, 26, I think I had learned so much. And it's basically because you're you get good supervisors who really coach you so well. Yeah. Because i one of the coaching I got, I was in sugar, uh, Dorala Sugar Works, which is the largest sugar plant of India at that yes. time, and uh, and it was about
2: uh, you
1: know, Bay Bridge. I was working on the Bay Bridge because you know trainees used to work in all the area the and uh, there was a mishap. There was a problem. And I was then called by the general manager. And he told me, he said, yes, what you did was right. But were you practical? Did you take a practical decision, which is in real life the right decision? Did you involve the community who, who impact this decision? Yes. I said, no. I said, I didn't think about it. So so I, in one stroke I got two lessons that always be practical. Think of real life practically rather than concept or a theory or rules, yeah. regulation, policies. Think practical. Think real life. And second thing is that involve the community who may be impacted by that decision and, and, and check with them how to change, how to improve. And they will always give you great ideas. And they will always give you great guidance for correcting it. So very, very good coaching. the change. I'm really very indebted and full of gratitude to such people. Another was in the chemical plant. I was in a chemical plant and there was a capacity. And uh, the plant was closed. And there was so much to do. There was so much crisis. There's so much stress all around. So. So, what I learned was both the things. Firstly, when you make plans to reopen, you need to be very comprehensive, very thorough, and can't be ones which are not, you know, in covering every aspect of the problem. So, I learned to be thorough and comprehensive. I was told. And second thing which I learned was, To be empathetic, listen to people, listen to workers, listen to union, be with the union, understand where it's pinching, how we can help, listening more and more. So, so many learnings, they're fantastic learnings. I'm I'm really so much gratitude for my seniors, early stage. If I I have anything I've done today, it's all because of
0: it. Superb. Um, You know, and I think this is such an incredible conversation, Manoj, because, you know, through this, we want our audiences to be able to appreciate coaching moments and the mentors and the teachers that they have around us. And that all this holds you in good stead for someone who has a career spanning over 40 years. uh, You know, you're now recounting so many of these stories to say that you're so grateful that that happened. Um, So I think thank you for sharing this. I I think with that, I'm going to uh, move on to talk to you about... um, the other thing that you that we find is uh, compellingly important especially um, given the uh, sort of um, unprecedented challenges that organizations and individuals have experienced in the last 18 months is the compelling need for a growth mindset which means that you are going to constantly not know everything and um, uh, you know the ability to be able to become vulnerable and to show vulnerability especially as a leader so i want to ask you about uh, your own experience your own um, sort of journey with being able to demonstrate and manifest a growth mindset uh, what kind of vulnerabilities did you experience um, you know what are the kind of failures if at all that you've experienced and i'm talking literally through the span of a very rich long career uh, you know i want us to be able to learn from you on demonstrating vulnerability and learning from failure so tell us a story around uh, a time when you needed to demonstrate your own vulnerability when there was a failure and you actually learned from it
1: there's so many incidents as i i keep very nostalgic about it for example early on in the career when i started and this is more personal i was very shy and i used to stammer a bit sometimes and that was a big vulnerability and uh, so I I did take guidance from my father and of course my supervisor, and I was told that you know, when you speak, your 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 fist should be tight. Okay. Tighten your fist. Okay. And if you tighten your fist, you will feel confident. You will feel conf- uh, you in control. You will not stammer, and I think you. So I don't know whether it was real or, or whether it was just psychological, and it changed. So it changed me. I mean, I gained confidence. I was not stammering. I was not shy. I was talking more than normal. So, so I mean, you know, this small tip which I got helped me, and I got it because I right. shared my vulnerability. Right. And I, I, from that day onward, I. Have, Sharing vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. Yeah. A lot of people they have a facade. Yeah. That I am the strongest guy and I am invincible guy and yeah. I am all that. Nobody is invincible. We're yeah. yeah. not gods. You know, we will make mistakes. Yeah. So in for example in Airtel, you know, we, we empowered our people a lot. And of course, they made some mistakes. Yeah. But no mistake was intentional. They yeah. made a genuine decision and with genuine feedback, uh, genuine data and facts. Maybe it went wrong. Yeah. So we said, fine, this may happen. If this happens, first, you cut the cost of that mistake on the same day. Don't procrastinate and wait for another two days or a week. Cut it same day as you realize that it's a mistake. And secondly, don't make the same mistake, make some new mistakes. Yeah. Making same mistakes will, will be a bit dumb.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's not
1: good. But make yeah. a new mistake. Good um, one. So so I think vulnerability is a good idea because because if we share, we get ideas from others, we get advice from others, we get some tips here and there, some some something we learn from others. And that's where I think building a team, making a team. Being in a team, being bonded with each other is very important. Yeah. Uh, I remember also a couple of incidents. For once, we were losing market share in India. And uh, I I really spoke to the marketing team. And, and they came back with something which was a very shocker of a product. And, and of course, my CEO didn't get So. So we, over the next two, three days, yeah. worked together, the CFO, the CMO, worked together in a team, shared the vulnerabilities of each other. The CMO said, I have to get the market share. Yeah. I, I feel defeated because I can't. CFO said, I, yes, that's fine, but I can't let you lose money. I can't yeah. let you let you uh, leak money by yeah. a product which, which will not be good for the company and not be good for yeah. our financials. Yeah. So, sharing vulnerabilities led to uh, uh, a, a product which became a huge product and actually became number one product. Nearly 100 million customers came out of that single product for a period of time. So, it became a huge success. So, so the point I'm trying to make is that I believe that sharing vulnerability is a great idea. We should not hesitate. We should not feel weak we should right. feel that i am part of a team and sharing is a great idea let me share because then others will also share right and all of us will become more bonded all of us will become close to each other will support each other we will work yeah. shoulder to shoulder so many many i have many experiences
0: right right is there a failure story that comes to mind which kind of created a lesson learned that you've held on to uh, for a sort of protracted period of time in your life no i
1: had uh, 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 for example, once once I had a finance uh, problem, the financials, long time back, this 2025 20, years back, and uh, I I think trusted too much, and I trust generally I trust a lot, but the message I got out of that incident was that yes, you should trust, but please verify. Please get the capabilities right, please get the competence right. Uh, Trusting is not a bad idea, but on top of that, there has to be some verification process so that you don't get a surprise later. And I think that was a very good learning which I used for so many years later.
0: Right. Right. That's a great one, actually. And it could easily account for what I was about to ask in my next question, but I'm going to ask you again to be able to crystallize uh, for our audiences, your leadership philosophy. And I think it's such a powerful question to ask anyone, what is your leadership philosophy? And I don't think a lot of leaders have an opportunity to share their own leadership philosophy with other people, but we have the opportunity to ask you today. So I want to know what are your leadership philosophies or philosophies so that someone has a keen takeaway Um, In fact, lots of us have a keen takeaway on on feeling inspired and learning from your leadership philosophy.
1: So my leadership philosophy is very different. I'm not saying that's the right one, but it's different. First and foremost, strong conviction and courage to do whatever you're trying. If you believe in something, then go after it. Because if you don't go after it and if you do halfway house, then people around you will see through that. They will know that you are not fully committed. You are not fully confident. Why are you pushing others? So that's the first thing, because thousands of eyes are looking at you. And if you say the right thing, do the right thing, and pursue it to the uh, pursue it relentlessly to the end. People will follow you. People will also do execution of high order. So that's first. Second is about simplicity and humility. People love that because people feel that if somebody tells us in a simple way behaves in a simple way is humble enough to talk to us eat with us uh, be with us in, especially in tough times yeah you know then he's the man he or she is the man he, we we will support him we will go towards the strategic direction he or she is pointing us towards yeah. very important because to tell you, arrogance people don't like.
2: Yeah,
1: but so they love you. Humility, so that's very very important. Another thing is acute focus. The uh, you as a leader also are responsible for ensuring that you don't digress your teams. Yeah, many, I don't know too many things at the right at the same time. So I I've always tried to two things, three things, not money. So that people focus on that and do it. And those have to be big things. Even if you have to sacrifice some small things. It doesn't matter. Because if you sacrifice some small goals and achieve some big goals, that is better rather than trying to suboptimize. Which I think uh, some readers uh, up doing. Then relentless focus. And that's what I've done whole life. Being in yeah. the field, travel 15-20 days a month, being with the troops, in the, in the, in the market, with the dealers, with the distributors, with the customers, you know, if you do that. That's relentless execution focus.
2: Yeah. So
1: otherwise, otherwise, you know, people. For example, I remember when we started rural markets, mm-hmm. I used to spend a lot of time in villages. And a lot of my senior colleagues used to say, well, no, why, are you, why are you spending so much time in business? Yeah. I said, because that is the future market. Yeah. And we need to go to that. Don't you think so? Mm. So, it took me six months. But in six months, everyone in the company started saying, yes, we have to go to villages. We have to, you know, get the rural market. Just like we have got under urban market, now we got rural market under our belt. So, I'm saying, you have to lead the change by being the change. Yeah. If you be the change, you will definitely lead the change. Also, you to encourage talent. That's what I, I always did, encourage new talent, young talent. Um, and my favorite dialogue many times is that Alexander died at 33. And if he did all that, conquering the world by 33, that's a fantastic thing. That means young people at 30, 28, 27, 52, other people with highest stamp, highest yeah. potential highest ability to do what they want to do and passion. So always encourage talent and give them freedom to do what they want. And finally, I've always encouraged open culture, where you take feedback, even if it is not so positive. Take it, digest it, because why should anyone give you a negative feedback if the situation is not negative? There has to be a reason. why should he or she give you negative feedback so if somebody is giving you negative f- feedback it is actually a gift because generally with senior people uh with senior colleagues people are uh, diplomatic
2: yeah
1: if somebody is not being diplomatic being very straight giving you negative feedback i think it's a gift you should say you so and accept it and act on it Absolutely. So, that is, these are things, I, I don't know, I've tried to give yeah. you some examples of yeah, what no, I just...
0: it's Incredible. And I'm just going to recap it for the audience and you spoke about keeping things simple and the value of simplicity and you spoke about authenticity and not being pretentious and the more authentic uh-huh. you are and your real self you are and the more humble you are. No one likes arrogant people and everyone wants to uh, connect and do business and, uh, you know, build relationships with people who are authentic, their real selves. Um, you spoke about uh, relentless focus, and I loved what you said about working uh, feet on street, you know, being out there in the markets, in the field, uh, because the fallacious assumption of um, seniority is to be able to enjoy AC offices and to be able to live in comfort, whereas your customer and all your real issues and your real challenges are all out there in the market. And uh, there are incredible stories. Uh, more often than not, as people get power and get heady with the power, they don't uh, don't remember to stay in touch well,
1: with. There's a small really story i to tell you. Uh, it was in Bihar. When we were launching Bihar, mobile services in Bihar, and I requested the CEO that, why don't we start with uh, not paper coupons, we start with electric uh, electronic recharging. So there was a new okay. product that launched just maybe a few weeks before that, uh, yeah. which was replacing the paper coupons. So initially, the CEO said, You know, well, let us do both, let us do paper coupons and re- 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 charging. So I said, Why don't we go to the market and listen to the customer and dealers? What do they say? So next day, half day, we spent in the market, in the shops, with the retailer, with the dealer, listening to them. And at the end of, by after lunch, we came back and we said, I, I said to the CEO, that, Don't you think people are ready? Let us try it. Out. Yeah. So, and and I said in fifteen days, if you feel that the electronic recharge is not working, withdraw it. I mean, uh, uh, launch launch the paper coupons also. Yeah. I mean, nothing lost. Just fifteen yeah. days. So anyway, after that I came back to Delhi and anyway launched the players. Everything was and. I didn't remember 15 days passed, and I, I did not call him, and maybe I spoke with him maybe after three, four weeks. And I said, oh, you never told me what happened after 15 days. He said, no, it, it took it did so well. Electronic chili charging was super. It did so well. I didn't have to launch the paper coupons. So we listened to the customer,
2: yeah. and we
1: made our internal decision-making policies based yeah. on customer. It has to be the right decision.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And you know, I'm seeing your. Decisions cannot be taken in your your headquarters.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I can see that your working philosophy is actually listening, which is, you know, listening to people on the team, listening to, uh, you know, market trends, listening to the customer, listening to the market. I mean, you know, just have listening right at the center of it. So, you know, that's really emerging as one more piece that I would like to add here. And I loved what you said on talent, which is that being straight with talent, being honest with them. And in fact, the more senior you are, the more direct you should be with them so that they know uh, that you're on their side and you're trying to get them to change their game. So, um, so yeah, you know, take it as a gift. And I think that's a very powerful message, uh, especially in the context of feedback. Uh, you know, from where I work, I must tell you that most organizations struggle with this. So I think this is an incredible philosophy to have. So thank you for sharing it. I'm going to take you back to the younger Manoj Kohli. And tell me, standing where you are today, what advice would you give the younger Manoj Kohli?
1: I don't know why I didn't do engineering. Engineering. I think my, I think my understanding of technology, when I was younger, should I have been higher. So if I have to live life again, I will do engineering. And my understanding of technology would be much higher than what it used to be. Now of course I've caught up, I've studied so much, met so many good people, worked with so many good engineers and technologists. So so I think that change would have been a very positive change.
0: Okay. Is there anything else that you you wish you'd known when you were younger?
1: No, I enjoy it every day.
0: I, I think it's not so many
1: changes, but I, I really loved every day. I enjoy it every day. There's a joy of selling. There's a joy of buying. There's a joy of dealing with people, dealing with unions, dealing with government. Deal, there's a joy behind all this. If you really yeah. take that take that joy and enjoy it, then you don't do a job. Yeah. You, yeah.
0: you
1: enjoy every day. And that's what I did.
0: Lovely, super. So I think that kind of uh, draws us towards the close of the conversation where I want to talk about primarily the um, mid-sized, small size enterprises that have been very deeply impacted, much like many other organizations as well. But, you know, this group, the SME group, is very uh, severely impacted, especially in the last uh, 18 months. Uh, you know, many of them, uh, you know, having very tough times to be able to put business back on track. And I'd like to call out also to the startups, which are also struggling similarly to be able to bring business uh, back on track. You have such incredible um, experience spanning over so many industries and so many years. What message would you like to give so many entrepreneurs who we are hoping are going to be listening to the show on you know, what messages would you like to give them on being able to relentlessly pursue their goals, notwithstanding the disruptive times, I mean, we haven't seen the upper end of the pandemic. So there is a lot of courage, inspiration, and hope required here. So I'm hoping you have some messages for the SMEs and the, um, and the startups, which really require encouragement from uh, you know industry personalities like yourself.
1: Well, let me start with the good news. I feel our entrepreneurs are fantastic. They're better than the world. I think they, they are so innovative. They are so hardworking. They are so resilient that they'll find a solution in every problem. So, I mean, at the the starting point, I think they are great, and I respect them so much. Now, uh, but but you're right, this period has been tough for businesses, especially small and medium businesses. There are three, four things I've always shared with them. Number one, be hands-on. Be hands-on on execution. Be with the team at the front of the company at the customer-facing edge of the company. And you will lead the company to a faster recovery. Because the objective is to recover as fast as possible, normalize the operations, normalize the revenue, etc. And you have to be hands-on. Don't delegate. This is not a time to delegate. This is a time to take leadership, take it on, be hands-on, be on the front of it. Second, be open to change. While doing this, so much feedback has come from the pandemic how we have to change, be open, be the first one to change, especially. on Because if you absorb more technology, everyone will love technology and your business will become more automated, uh, more agility, speed will come into the business. So be very open to change, because this is the time to change. Third is, look up constantly for new opportunities and new threats. This is the time when you will be hit by not old opportunities or old threats. Something new will hit you. Something new will have new options, new kinds which are not prevalent before the pandemic. So be on lookout. Smell the market. Smell the customer. Smell what is changing. If you are able to catch it before your competition, you will succeed much. You will outpace the competition. You know. So that's that's a smell of a entrepreneur. Yeah. and finally and finally over communicate with people your stakeholders you will have to over communicate when the chips are down and people morale is down stress is there families have a problem communicate. give an inspiring message positive message reinforcing messages vendors to dealers to uh, employees of course to employees families meet them recognize them if they're doing a good job uh, because over communication has to be done especially in these tough times So people require not normal motivation but special motivation because these are special times yeah so i think uh, many many uh, entrepreneurs i have met are are doing this already which is good news and i'm sure many more will do this right. and uh, the recovery in the economy is taking place primarily because these entrepreneurs are leading the recovery uh, yes. From the front
0: yeah yeah so true so i think this has been an incredible conversation manoj thank you for your time thank you for agreeing to speak to us today thank you for inspiring so many people in the audience uh, many many thanks for a bring to speak with us on interlead so thank ladies you, and
2: gentlemen yes, please,
0: thank you so much manoj thank you ladies and gentlemen manoj Koli of Sockback india and um, you know with that we come to a close on this uh, episode of in the lead um let's meet again another time and we'll feature another very extraordinary leader but at this time we want to say a big thank you and goodbye to uh, manoj Kohli. thank you this has been an honor and a privilege talking to you here today thank you suja take care